Welcome to the Hackberry House of Cho Sun. My name is Bob, reading today from a book called The Private Key to Heaven. I want to thank you for listening today. Please look around the site. We have over 3,000 audios featuring some of the church's great preachers, persecution stories from North Korea and other lands, Bible studies on a number of subjects, and a blog. My books are on Amazon.com, and you can contact me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com, and I'll tell you about our Zoom meetings. Please also check out my new website that highlights some of the most significant of my audio recordings right here on Sermon Audio and allows you to tune in to the new Hackberry Radio. Just go to hackberryhouseofchosun.com and take a look and a listen. Well, as I said, we're reading today from The Private Key to Heaven. It's by Thomas Brooks. Thomas Brooks, I'm sure you are aware of who he was because I've told you so many times. This is the last of the audios I will be making on Thomas Brooks. This is the end of his book where he's talking about several important practices. Let's tune in here to see what other important practices that he has in mind about our closet duties, as he calls them. Uh, F, resolve to persevere. Sixthly, be highly, thoroughly, and fixedly resolved in the strength of Christ to keep close to closet duties in the face of all difficulties and discouragements that you may meet with all. A man of no resolution or of weak resolution will be one with a nut and lost with an apple. Satan and the world and carnal relations and your own hearts will cast in many things to discourage you and take you off from closet prayer. But be ye nobly and firmly resolved to keep close to your closets. Let the world, the flesh, and the devil do and say what they can. Daniel was a man of an invincible resolution. Rather than he would omit praying in his chamber, he would be cast into a den of lions. Of all the duties of religion, Satan is the most deadly enemy to this of secret prayer, partly because secret prayer spoils him in his most secret designs, plots, and contrivances against the soul, and partly because secret prayer is so musical and delightful to God, and partly because secret prayer is of such rare use and advantage to the soul. Partly because it lays not the soul so open to pride, vainglory, and worldly applause, as prayer in the synagogue doth. And therefore, he had rather that a man should pray a thousand times in the synagogues, in the corner of the streets, or behind a pillar, than that he should pray once in his closet. And therefore, you have need to steel your hearts and with holy courage and resolution, that whatever suggestions, temptations, oppositions, or objections you may encounter with, that yet you will keep close to closet prayer. There's not any better bulwark in the day of battle than a heroic resolution of heart before the day of battle. Sanctified resolutions do exceedingly weaken and discourage Satan in his assaults. They do greatly daunt and dishearten him in all his undertakings against the soul. That man will never long be quiet in his closet who is steadfastly resolved to seek the Lord in a corner, though all the powers of darkness should make head against him. O oh, sirs, 
divine fortitude, holy resolutions will make you like a wall of brass that no arrows can pierce. They will make you like armor of proof that no shot can hurt. They will make you like that angel that rolled away the stone from before the door of the sepulchre. They will either enable you to remove the greatest mountains of opposition that lie between you and closet prayer, or else they will enable you to step over them. Luther was a man of great resolution and a man that spent much time in closet prayer. Such another was Nehemiah, who met with so much opposition that had he not been steeled by a strong and obstinate resolution, he could never have rebuilt the temple, but would have sunk in the midst of his works. Now, he was a man for private prayer, as I have shown in the beginning of this treatise. Who more resolute than David? And who more for secret prayer than David? Uh, the same, I might say, of Paul, Basil, and, and many others who have been famous in their generations. O oh, sirs, sanctified resolutions for closet prayer will chain you faster to closet prayer than ever Ulysses' resolutions did chain him to the mast of a ship. It was a noble resolution that kept Ruth close to her mother when her sister Orpah only compliments her and kisses her and, and takes her leave of her. Be but nobly resolved for closet prayer, and then you will keep close to it when others only court it and take their leave of it. In the Salentine country, that's the southern Italian region of Salento, there is mention made of a lake that is still brimful. If you put in never so much, it never runs over. If you draw out never so much, it is still full. The resolution of every Christian for closet prayer should be like this lake, still brimful. Tide life, or happen, or come, come life, come death, uh, come honor or reproach, loss or gain, liberty or bonds, come what can come. The true bred Christian must be fully and constantly resolved to keep close to his closet. G. Seek for a greater outpouring of the Spirit. Seventhly, labor for a greater effusion of the Holy Spirit. For the greater measure any man hath of the Spirit of God, the more that man will delight to be with God in secret. It says, I will pour out upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the Spirit of grace and of supplication, and the land shall mourn. Every family apart, the family of the house of David apart, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Nathan apart, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Levi, and so on. All the families that remain, every family apart, and their wives apart. Mark, in the last of the last days, when men shall be generally under a greater effusion of the Holy Spirit than ever, then they shall be more given up to secret prayer than ever. There will never be such praying apart and such mourning apart as there will be when the Lord shall pour out most richly, gloriously, abundantly of his Spirit upon his poor people. Now everyone shall pour out his tears and his souls before God in a corner to show the soundness of their sorrow and to show their sincerity by their secrecy. For he grieves with a witness that grieves without a witness. 
Certainly, the more any man is now under the blessed pouring out of the Spirit of Christ, the more that man gives himself up to secret communion with Christ. Every man is more or less with Christ in his closet, as he is more or less under the anointings of the Spirit of Christ. The more any man hath of the Spirit of Christ, the more he loves Christ. And the more any man loves Christ, the more he delights to be with Christ alone. Lovers love to be alone. The more any man hath of the Spirit of Christ, the more his heart will be set to please Christ. Now, nothing pleaseth Christ more than the secret prayers of his people. Song of Solomon 2.14 O my dove that art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs, let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. And therefore such a one will be much in secret prayer. The more any man hath of the Spirit of Christ, the more his heart will be set upon glorifying and exalting Christ. And now nothing glorifies Christ more, nor exalts him more, than secret prayer. And therefore the more any man hath of the Spirit of Christ, the more that man will be found in secret prayer. There are many persons who say they would be more in their closets than they are, but that they meet with many hindrances, many occasions, diversions, temptations, oppositions, difficulties, discouragements, which prevent them. Ah, friends, had you a greater measure of the Holy Spirit upon you, none of these things would ever be able to hinder your secret trade heavenward. Had you a richer anointing of the Spirit upon you, you would never plead, there's a lion in the way, a lion is in the streets. But were there a thousand lions between you and your closets, you would either step over them or make your way through them that uh, so you might enjoy communion with Christ in your closets. H. Frequently consider eternity. Eighthly and lastly, as ever you would keep close to private prayer, be frequent in the serious consideration of eternity. O oh, see eternity standing at the end of every closet prayer, and this will make you pray to purpose in your closets. O oh, sirs, every work you do is a step to a blessed or to a cursed eternity. Every motion, every action in this life is a step toward eternity. As every step that a traveler takes brings him forward to his journey's end, so every step that a man takes in the secret ways of righteousness and holiness, such as closet duties are, they bring him nearer to his journey's end. They bring him nearer to a blessed eternity. Look, as every step the sinner takes in a way of wickedness brings him nearer to hell, so every step that a saint takes in a way of holiness brings him nearer to heaven. Look, as every step that a wicked man takes in the ways of unrighteousness brings him nearer to a cursed eternity, so every step that a godly man takes in a way of righteousness brings him nearer to a blessed eternity. Zeuxis, who was a Greek painter, famous for his ability to imitate nature, uh, he was so exceeding careful and cautious in drawing all his lines that he would let no piece of his go abroad into the world to be seen of men until he had turned it over and over and viewed it on this side and that side again and again to see if he could spy any fault in it. 
and being asked the reason why he was so curious and so long in drawing his uh, lines, he answered, I paint for eternity. Oh, sirs, we all pray for eternity. We fast for eternity. We read and hear and wait and weep for eternity. And therefore, oh, how curiously, exactly, wisely, faithfully, carefully, diligently, unweariedly should we be in all our closet duties and services, seeing that all we do is in order to eternity. Friends, you must all ere long be eternally blessed or eternally cursed, eternally happy or eternally miserable, saved or damned, accepted or rejected. And therefore, what infinite cause have you frequently to shut your closet doors and to plead mightily with God in a corner for the lives of your poor, precious, and immortal souls, that they may be eternally saved in the great day of our Lord Jesus. O sirs, when any hindrances to closet prayer present themselves to you, seriously remember eternity, and that will remove them. It is related of one Pacomius that whensoever he felt any unlawful desires to arise in his mind, he was wont to drive them away with the remembrance of eternity. The same author relates a story out of Benedictus Rexamus uh, of a, an ungodly fellow who on a certain night could not sleep, who upon the serious consideration of death and eternity and the damned lying in hell could not be at rest. But eternity did still run in his mind. Fain would he have shaken off the thoughts thereof as gnawing worms. Therefore he followed sports, pastimes, merry meetings, and sought out companions like himself, and sat oftentimes so long at his cups that he, that is drinking alcoholic beverages until he was drunk, that he, he laid his conscience asleep and so seemed to take some rest. But when he was awakened, his conscience flew in his face and would still be suggesting sad thoughts of eternity to him. Of all things in the world, he could not bear to be kept awake in the night. But so it happened that being sick, he was kept awake one night and could not sleep at all. Whereupon these thoughts rise in him. What? Is it so tedious then to be kept from sleep one night and to lie a few hours in the dark? Oh, what is it then to be kept in torments and everlasting darkness? I am here in my own house upon a soft bed in the dark, kept from sleep but one night. But to lie in flames and endless misery, how dreadful must that needs be? These and, and such like meditations were the happy means of this young man's conversion. I have read a notable story of one Theodorus, a Christian young man in Egypt, who, when there was a great deal of feasting, mirth, and music in his father's house, withdrew himself from all the company, and being got alone, he thus thought with himself, Here is content and delight enough for the flesh. I may have what I desire, but how long will this last? This will not hold out long. And then falling down upon his knees before the Lord in secret, he said, Lord, my heart is open unto thee. I indeed know not what to ask, but only this. Lord, let me not die eternally. O Lord, thou knowest I love thee. 
Let me live eternally to praise thee. If there be any way or means on earth to bring us upon our knees before God in secret, it is the serious and solemn thoughts of eternity. Oh, that the fear of eternity might fall upon all of our souls. Oh, that you would all seriously consider that after a short time is expired, you must all enter upon an eternal estate. Oh, consider that eternity is an infinite, endless, bottomless gulf, which no line can fathom, no time can reach, no age can extend to, no tongue can express. It is a duration always present, a being always in being. It is one perpetual day, which shall never see light. Oh, sirs, this is and must be for a lamentation, that eternity is a thing that most men never think of, or else very slenderly, a snatch and away, as dogs are said to lap and away at the river Nile. But as ever you would have your hearts chained to your closets and to closet duties, as the men of Tyrus chained, chained to their god Apollo, to a post that they might be sure of him, then seriously and frequently ponder upon eternity, and with those forty valiant martyrs be still a-crying out, Oh, eternity, eternity! Mr. Wood, um, this is probably according to the footnote here, the Mr. Wood whose funeral sermon was the first form of the Apples of Gold series. Uh, after some holy discourse, Mr. Wood fell amusing and, and cried out before all present, for near half a quarter of an hour together, forever, forever, forever. Augustine's prayer was, Hack me, hew me, burn me here, but spare me hereafter. Spare me hereafter. Certainly, if Christians would but spare one quarter of an hour every day in the solemn thoughts of eternity, it would make them more in love with closet prayer than ever. Yea, it would make them more fearful of omitting closet prayer than ever, and more careful and conscientious in the discharge of all closet duties than ever. And thus, uh, according to my weak measure, I have given out all that at present the Lord hath graciously given into my poor soul concerning this most necessary, most glorious and most useful point of points, closet prayer. I shall, by assisting grace, follow this poor peace with my prayers, that it may be so blessed from on high, as that it may work mightily to the internal and eternal welfare, both of reader, hearer, and writer. Amen. And so it was, his prayer was answered. The Private Key to Heaven by Thomas Brooks. You might want to get your own copy. I'm sure it's available at Amazon or other places. God bless you, and Lord willing, we will talk again real soon. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. Bye-bye.